so again, it's Genesis chapter 2, 1 through 3, Exodus 28 through 11. Um, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And Exodus 28 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, or you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Jordan. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be back with you. If you're new, uh, joining us for the first time, a warm welcome to you. My name is Steve, one of the pastors here. And we are in a mini-series at the start of the year called Formation. Uh, This is our focus for 2024. And Formation defined, uh, one way you can define it is becoming a person of love uh, toward God and people. Becoming a person of love toward God and people. And we made a case in the the intro sermon to this series that this is the reason for which God saved us and brought us into his family. So he doesn't just save us so that we know where we go, where we're going to die, where we're going to go when we die, or to have inner peace, as important as those things are, uh, but to become people of love. And so uh, all of our Bible knowledge and church attendance and all the doings we do for God, they're really, they're all for naught unless we become people of love toward, toward God and others. And so as we talk about spiritual formation, Spiritual formation, by focusing on it, we're taking seriously the fact that we are always being formed into a type of person. So spiritual formation isn't a Christian thing, it's a human thing, as the saying goes. And so uh, it it may sound uptight or fundamentalist to hear, but the, the fact is, like, everything we do, our daily practices, form us either toward love for God and neighbor or away. And so things like Netflix and Hulu aren't just watching Netflix and Hulu. Uh, if you wake up and the first thing you do is check your phone and look at it, that's not just looking at your phone, okay? The, the things that we're choosing to scroll through, the things that we're choosing to watch, how we respond when people wrong us, all of those form us, uh, for better or worse, into a, a certain kind of person. And so what spiritual formation is, by us focusing on it, what we're saying is because we're always being informed, formed, religious or not, Spiritual formation, it, it's a gift God gives us to take ownership over the type of person that we're becoming. And these are through the spiritual practices. So things like Sabbath keeping, which we're looking at right now, solitude and silence, scripture, life together, um, prayer, and so forth, fasting. And the spiritual practices, they're not magic, as it were, uh, but there are part to play in our formation. So as we, the, the rhythms of life that we do to open up space for God through the Holy Spirit to, to change us. Okay, so we're looking at, now we're in the, the Sabbath, the, the practice of Sabbath. And Sabbath is, um, 
It's a 24-hour period where we stop, rest, delight, and worship, and we'll get into that in today's sermon. And the reason why we're starting with Sabbath, or you could start with any of the practices, uh, one is we saw last week at Sabbath, it's the first practice we see in the Bible. It's on the first page of Scripture. God does it, it seems reason enough. But also it's a wisdom call on the part of the leaders, because for many Christians, myself included, like we're simply too distracted, overwhelmed, busy to take ownership of our of our formation. And so what, what we're doing here as leaders is we see this as by starting with Sabbath, we're trying not to add more things to your plate, but to give you more room to breathe so you can actually have more space to do some of the other practices down the road, okay? So uh, today's part two of Sabbath. If this is your first time joining us or you weren't here last week, this may feel like you're jumping into part two of a movie. I'll do my best to, to mitigate that. But last week we looked at the, the biblical basis and the, the beauty of Sabbath. And so today we're getting into the nuts and bolts of actually practicing it. Okay, what does it look like? And so here's how we'll look at it. Uh, we'll look at it this way. We'll see in Sabbath we have one Sabbath principle, four Sabbath practices, three Sabbath sneak attacks. Sneak attacks. Okay, so one Sabbath principle, four, uh, yeah, four Sabbath practices, and then three Sabbath sneak attacks. Okay. Uh, one, that, that's true, it is a sneak attack, but also phrase it that way to help those of you who tend to zone out and pay attention because you want to find out what those are, <laughs> right? Okay, so first number one, uh, one Sabbath principle. Okay, so we always need to come back to this anytime we're looking at the spiritual practices. So Sabbath, it's, it's about communion with God, not union with God, just like any of the practices. It's about communion with God, not union with God. So union with God, this is 100% God's doing. This is through Jesus, through his life, death, resurrection, and enthronement, he brings you into God's family, so you belong to God, and there's a union that's formed. And so think about a marriage. If you come into union with another person, and you're poor, and that person's wealthy, you're now wealthy, because you're in union with them. So when we come into union with Jesus, all the gifts and wealth of Jesus become ours, and so when you trust in Jesus with your life, God is as committed to you. He delights in you as much as he's committed to Jesus, as much as he delights in Jesus. And you cannot lose this. Okay, so that's union with God. However, communion with God, and you're probably, you could probably get a, a sense of, of where we're going here. This is, if union is 100% God's doing, communion is, is partly on us. And communion with God, it's our lived experience of that union, Right? So is God just an idea to us, or is he more real to us than our closest relationships? And just like any union, husband-wife, parent-child, right? you can be in union with a person, but the degree of warmth in that union can go up and down based on your practices with each other. And so Sabbath is a way to help increase our communion with God. Okay, so we have more a lived experience of him. And I think about, I think this was two weeks ago, I went out... Uh, during lunch, I went to go take a walk, common practice of mine. And often in the past, pretty much ever since I've had children and they've been able to walk, I try to sneak out for a walk and they want to like rush out and go with me. And sometimes I'm just like, sorry, you know, I just need to think or pray. And so this time I was like, you know, let me just stop being so me-centered. And I saw my son sitting on the couch in the living room. So I was like, I'll invite him to go on a walk. You know, sure that I, before I could never get him off of me. So I was like, sure, he's going to say yes. And I was like, hey, I'm going to want to walk. You know, you want to come on a walk with daddy? And he was looking at something. He just looks up at me and goes, no. 
then he looks back at what he's doing. I'm like, oh no, that the teenage emo years have already begun. And so what happened there? Okay, so we, so I go off by myself in, in tears and wondering what I've done wrong as a parent. And okay, our union did not change. Okay, we were still just as much father-son. My love for him did not change. Okay, but the communion we could have had, right, we could have developed a deeper experience with one another, that was a, a missed opportunity. And so this is so key because if you think that Sabbath keeping or doing anything, right, in the Christian life is to get union with God, like to get him to like you, to get him to be okay with you, you're going to be a wreck. Am I doing it enough? Am I doing it well enough? Am I sincere enough? Are my motives pure? Right, but when we see it through just in the gospel, our union is secure. It's unvarying. You cannot lose that. And communion is the invitation to just have greater enjoyment of God and joy in God. Okay, that, that changes everything. And so, especially as we're in very application-heavy sermons and series like this, we have to remember this. Okay, so these practices are about our communion with God, not union. Okay, so keeping this in mind, now let's get into more of the nuts and bolts of, okay, so how do we actually practice Sabbath? And here we come to the the four Sabbath practices, and you can, Pete, Pete Scazzera, I believe, is the one who popularized this the most, and, but it's a really helpful framework, and it comes from the four different ways you can translate the word Sabbath in Hebrew, or Shabbat, and it's what we see here in Genesis 2, and so, you know, words often have a semantic range. They can mean different things, and so we're going to use the framework of what Sabbath can mean, looking at it through a stop, rest, delight, and worship. Those are all ways you can translate Shabbat, and it creates a very helpful framework for Sabbath, because it can be hard, like, okay, what, what do I do on Sabbath? It can feel very vague or frustrating, and so as long as you keep this framework in mind, you can't go wrong, and it's so adaptable, because if you're, if you're single, or you're married, or you have young kids, or teenagers, or you're retired, Sabbath probably will look different depending on your season of life. Okay, but we keep this framework in mind, and it's hard to go wrong. So first, let's start here with stop. And stop is, it's the most literal translation of the Hebrew word Shabbat, right, or, or Sabbath. And so the first part of Sabbath keeping is, is we stop. So you think about if you've seen, I know some of you have seen way more of these than I have, but those food competitions on the, the food network, right, where the chefs are under a timer, and as soon as the buzzer sounds like, hands up, right, nope, you, no, you can't ship that parsley, you can't dump any more powdered sugar, you have to stop. And that's what, that's how we start Sabbath, okay? So Sabbath comes, and we put up our hands. Put your email away. Put your computer away. Okay, put your unfinished to-do list away. You stop. And one, one reason why this is so key is it helps remind us that we are not God, that the, that the world doesn't depend on us. There's this author, Marjorie Thompson, who writes about formation, and she puts it this way. She says, Sabbath is letting go of our treasured illusions of being indispensable. That's so good. We let God be God. And so Sabbath, it's a bodily way we remind ourselves, I am not the Lord. And this is good news. Okay, I am not holding the world together. Jesus is holding the world together. A lot of times we have a hard time hitting the off switch because we think we're holding the world together. And when we do, I mean, we're going to be more anxious, more controlling. We're not actually going to be able to rest. And so this is a way, when we stop, we let, we let God be God. And uh, a question here is, okay, when do we stop? Uh, like, when is the start of the Sabbath? And in biblical theology, the start of the day is sundown, actually, not sunrise. 
And so it uh, makes a lot of sense, even just according to the arc of Scripture, to start Sabbath on a sundown and keep it till the sundown of the following day. Uh, uh, the Hebrews, Jews in the Old Testament, they kept it on Saturday, and then Christians, right, they since moved it historically to Sunday. And typically, Saturday sundown to Sunday, Sunday sundown makes the most sense for many people because Sunday worship is included in that, right? For some people, that may not make sense. For me, Sunday is a big work day, so my Sabbath is Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. For others of you, it may make sense to do it Friday to Saturday as well, or a different day, right, depending on your, on your schedule. Okay, so there's a lot of freedom here, but th- that's the idea. It's just 24-hour period, hands up, we stop. Okay, so that's first. We stop. Number two, we rest, and here this is uh, coming from the, the verb form of Shabbat, verse 2. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested. Okay, he rested on the seventh day. And so, what do we, what do we rest from? Okay, so we rest from working, whether this is paid work, vocation, or it could be unpaid work, right? Your, it could be housekeeping, your, your to-do list, those 10 unread text messages on your phone that you just know you need to get to. Okay, so you rest from working, and you also rest from the thought of working. Okay, how many of you have been on vacation or you're trying to take a break, but because your mind is, you're thinking about that presentation or that conversation with your boss or that photo shoot or that video shoot or that editing you have to do, that you're, you're resting, but you're not really resting. Uh, I mean, just being honest with you guys, it, it took me years to, to stop thinking about work on Saturday, just with preaching most Sundays of the year. If, you, if you've ever done public speaking, I mean, it can always be better. And so for a long time, like, I just was not fully present to my family or if I was getting together with friends because I'm still thinking about work. Okay, so we rest from thinking about work. And then three, we rest from wanting. We rest from wanting. And so this is why it's probably a good idea to not do, like, shopping for leisure on the Sabbath, right? Because Sabbath is a day, it's a day to delight in what God has given us, the things that we do have, not the things that we don't have. So it's probably not a bad idea to close those clothing tabs and those Amazon tabs and those Etsy tabs, <laughs> right? So we rest from, we rest from wanting. And so just think about like, what are ways that you can, that you can rest? Okay, it may mean sleeping in longer on the Sabbath. It may mean taking a slow breakfast, right? Or napping later in the day with no guilt. Okay, but you're, you're resting from these three things. And here's where the communal practice of Sabbath is really key. We, we saw last week that uh, a big part of why God gave his people the Sabbath, it's a justice element to ensure that everybody, white collar, blue collar, high status, low status, can take a day of rest. And this, because this can be, uh, this can be hard for people with low incomes who feel like they have to be working multiple jobs, right, every day of the week. So, because I can't afford the Sabbath. I literally can't afford it. And I heard uh, Pastor Rich Biotis, who pastors in Queens with a lot of low-income families in his church, and he said just this beautiful thing in their church where those of more means have started to contribute to those with lesser means so that they could actually take a day and Sabbath in their community. Uh, so it can look like that here. It can also look like for, uh, for those who uh, maybe are a single parent or parents with, with young children, right? As a community, how can we help them rest uh, Kelsey and I have been so thankful for a number of members in our church have, have done this or have offered to do this to watch our kids for a couple hours so we can go out and just have a date for a couple hours. Okay, so what are ways that we can cook a meal for someone, right, to allow them to rest or watch their kids to allow them to rest? Okay, so there, there's a communal element that needs to happen here 
as well. It's not just the individualistic lens through which we tend to view something like Sabbath. Okay, so we, we stop, hands up, we rest from work, thinking of working, from wanting. And then number three, delight. And here's where it starts to get a lot more fun uh, because we move from saying no to things to saying yes to things. And so see here how it says in verse three, God blessed the seventh day. Uh, blessed literally, it just translates happy. So if God makes a day blessed, a blessed day is a happy day. And so a the Sabbath, it is the time to just think about the things that bring you pleasure and delight and say yes and stack those things together and do them. Uh, there's an author and a, a licensed therapist named Dan Allender who wrote a, he wrote a great book on the Sabbath. And he had this uh, provocative quote in there. And here's what he writes about delighting, uh, delighting on the Sabbath. He says, the Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. It's the day we anticipate on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, play, dance, have sex, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, and watch creation in its fullness. Few people are willing to enter Sabbath because a full day of joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. And just, doesn't that say something about the human condition? God gives us a full day to have as much joy as possible in every week, and we're, we're resistant to that. And so what gives you joy? Uh, for me and my kids, we started a, a ritual of every Saturday morning. Some of you have joined us for this. We go get donuts. How can you start in a more happy way than getting donuts? Okay, most Saturdays during my kids' nap time, I light a candle and I read fiction. We see people. We go on walks. What are the things that bring you joy? And do those things, okay? God wants this for you. And something, uh, there, there is a challenge here. So something that you should think about is what actually gives you delight, right? Because there are some things we think that give us delight, but it's more like eating a bunch of cookies midday. It feels good initially. Not that I've ever done that, but then you feel bad, the rest of the day, because true delight, like beauty, it always deepens and restores. And so is binging a series on Sabbath, does that deepen and restore you? It, it might, okay? I'm not saying it, it doesn't, but for me, I've, there are some films, right? There's some beautiful art out there that, that does. But just for me, I found for me, it it doesn't. It's also a big reason why I stopped streaming shows at night is because I found, I just had to ask myself, is this, this is doing, I think this is doing not deepening and, and refreshing me. Okay, so what, what actually restores you and refreshes you? Um, for those of you who are big to-do lists, like checklists, just, just think about, okay, is doing this item, is this just because I just don't want that thing like poking at me all day? Or does it fill me with wonder? Okay, because that, that's what Sabbath is is meant to be. Okay, so we stop, rest, delight, and then we, we worship. And here we see this in verse 3, God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. And then also in the Ten Commandments, God says, remember the Sabbath. Okay, remember, imply there is they're already practicing it, so remember to do the Sabbath to keep it holy. And holy, it, you know, maybe has, maybe that sounds like a really boring, not fun word to you, but holy, it means special, unique, set apart. So when God says, make the Sabbath day holy, he's saying set it apart as a special day 
to enjoy me and to reorient your life around me. And so it can, you know, are we living with God every day? Yes, hopefully, right? But the Sabbath is a special day. I think about, there's a friend of mine, I've known him since I was five years old. And for over a decade now, uh, we have this routine where every Thanksgiving week, we go to the same restaurant and we get a pumpkin beer together. And this is a day that you could say we've made holy in the sense that we've set it apart for our relationship. Are we friends the other 12 months of the year? Yeah, but it's a special day that we've set aside to, to enjoy one another, right? To, um, to deepen our, our communion with one another. And so Sabbath, it's a day, it's a special day set aside to, to enjoy God. And this may sound, uh, ethereal or very intangible. Okay, like what does it mean to actually do that and to, to worship God? And there, there's so much, there's so much, uh, so much ended up on the cutting room floor here. But I think like one way to maybe to help you guys with this is, Worship to God on the Sabbath, while hopefully it grows into something like you do have a long devotional period where you're, just, you're enjoying hearing from him in scripture and you're praying in those things. For some of you thinking, okay, like worship, so I'm going to try to pray for two hours on Sabbath. That may not be the best place to start. And so think about a couple. You look at, say, a married couple, and often if that couple is always talking about their relationship, that's generally an indicator they're not in the healthiest place. But you look at a couple, and they, just, they love being together. They love doing things together. They love that side-by-sideness where we don't even have to be talking. We're enjoying, right, companionable silence with one another. That's often a sign of a healthy relationship. And so as you think about enjoying life with God through worship, it can be as simple and profound as just do something really fun with other people by yourself. And as you do it, Think about the fact that God is with you as you're doing it, and he's loving the fact that his child is enjoying it, and then he gets to do it with you. Uh, I, th- I think about, and this is relatively new for me, like making this more of a conscious practice. So just this, uh, it was perfect because it was snowing on Friday evening, heading right into Sabbath. And so as we head into Sabbath, I, I took my kids out to a hill, and snow's falling, children are sledding, dogs are running, uh, the sky ghostly white as it only is on snow days, you know, falling sun muffled through the mist, and we, we start building a snowman. We've never built a snowman together, and my kids are just laughing and eyes wide in wonder that I can make a snowball, like, bigger than their bodies, and we, we make the snowman, and we name the snowman, and then we, we leave him, and we're, we're walking over the quiet white blanket home, just playing silly games. I just, I just stopped. I just, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, because for so much of my life, I've thought that having fun but worshiping you were somehow opposed to one another, and now I'm slowly realizing this is what you want for me all along, is for them to be the same. And this, this whole moment is a mercy. My whole life is a, is a mercy. And as you, do the, as you do this, God becomes more, more real to you. You begin to trust him more, just like you... Always trust somebody more the more you enjoy enjoy their company. Okay, so we stop, rest, delight, and, and worship. Okay, f- just very adaptable framework. And like one example of, of putting this all together uh, comes from John Mark Comer. We're drawing a lot of his material for this series, and our community groups are going through uh, a lot of his stuff and practicing the way of stuff to, to practice Sabbath together. And uh, he said he shares about how he used to be a burned-out workaholic and uh, he used to he just through a lot of mentorship and the Holy Spirit working him and, and, and all of the above. He 
just had to reorder the rhythms of his life to become not a burned out workaholic. And, and Sabbath, he said, was a game changer. And he said uh, for years before he recently moved, how he and his family would practice Sabbath is they'd invite some other friends and families over. And when it was, for some of you, this is going to sound super cheesy. Uh, for others of you, it's going to sound amazing. And I'm going to steal some of these ideas. But they come over and they, so they, they stop. And how they, one of the ways they stop is they, they power off all their phones and just put it in a box and put it in the closet. So they stop. And then they, they rest, right, from working, thinking about working by, they, on pieces of paper, they would just write their, their unfinished to-dos, their, the things they were worried about. Okay, and they, they, they put that in a box and, and as a way of like tangibly giving it to the Lord. Okay, remembering, okay, I'm not God as they head into Sabbath. Then they eat a, a delicious meal together, delight. And, and they, they talk about highs and lows with God. Okay, hard spots, great spots, you know, during the week. Worship. Okay, so like that, that's one way it can look like to, to begin to habituate these things in our, in our bodies. Okay, so those are, those are four Sabbath practices. Hopefully you can start somewhere with this. Okay, over the next few weeks. And so, number three, what we, what we have to look at is, now the, the moment you've been waiting for, the sneak attacks of Sabbath, right? Because some of you, um, you might head into Sabbath bushy-tailed, and then you get, you feel like you get sucker punched with some of these things. And so, I, I want you to be, be aware that it's normal when these things happen. I've, I've experienced all of these, and a Bible teacher, Bethany Allen, helped distill these down in, into to words for me. Okay, so giving credit where credit's due. And so the, the first sneak attack of Sabbath is resistance, resistance. And this can come in form of internal resistance. So you try to Sabbath and you, you find that you're actually more tense or more fidgety than you were if you weren't Sabbathing. And so, right, because it takes time for our neurobiology to work through the withdrawal symptoms of always having to work and be going, going, going and producing. And so when that happens, that's normal. So beware of, say, you practice Sabbath for three Saturdays or three hours, and you feel just more anxious and fidgety. You're like, it's not working. <laughs> okay? So like, th- this is normal. You're going to feel this internal resistance, but also there will be external resistance. When God gives the Ten Commandments, we saw this last week, to the Israelites in Deuteronomy, he ties it to their being released from those over them, just asking them to always produce and do more and do more. And when you stop and rest— you will probably experience resistance from externally from other people. It could be your coworkers or a boss that expects you to, to be accessible 24-7. It could be friends or family that they text you. And if you don't text them within 24 hours, like something is wrong with the relationship. And so for people pleasers, this can be a, a, a really big challenge, okay? Because we, we experience external resistance from other people in addition to the resistance that we feel in our own. So that's the first sneak attack. Uh, resistance number two is sadness or insert another negative emotion, anger, right? Anxiety. And because often why this tends to happen is we, we have these things within us. And when we just stop, it gives space for those things to come to the surface that we're used to just medicating away through work or digital addiction or whatever it may be. And so you may find, uh, Bethany Allen, she calls it the, what does she call it? She calls it Sabbath sadness. It's like a normal thing that, that you can experience, right? We're like, is, am I doing something wrong? Okay, and so that's, again, that's, that's normal. And number three, and this can be the most frightening, uh, perhaps, for, for Christians, is experiencing distance from God. 
right? So you enter it, you're like, okay, I'm stopping. I'm supposed to be worshiping God. But then when all the dust settles, you realize, I don't feel God. Or I don't even want to delight in God. I don't want to worship God. What does that even mean to delight in God and to worship God? And so it's like, okay, now am I, am I doing something wrong? Am I a bad Christian? You know, yada, yada, yada. And so that felt distance from God can be very normal. And so within each of these sneak attacks is an opportunity. And so with resistance, it's the opportunity into freedom, just like strength training, right? Or, or starting a new habit. Resistance often means it's going to get harder before it gets better. But you, you don't, if you don't run from that resistance, but you lean into, it leads to freedom. Also, when you think about the internal resistance of restlessness, if you read memoirs of, of successful people, something you'll find that e- even amid their success, there's still a restlessness, right? Because there, there's a cosmic hunger we all have for significance and to know that we're going to be okay and to be loved. And so when we don't have that through union with God, we're going to be restless. And so that, that internal restlessness, that's an opportunity to actually lean into the gospel in new ways and realize how dependent you are, how loved you are with external resistance, for those of you who may be slaves to people-pleasing, where you feel like, I, I can't wait to get back to this person. It, it, it helps you to actually be, to be free and to, to love them, right, where you can put healthy boundaries around those relationships, but still continue to love them. Okay, so you lean into resistance, you find freedom. Sadness, okay, if you don't run, but you lean in, it leads to greater emotional health and joy, Emotional health, why? Because now you're, you're not just running from it, but you, if, if it's a, if sadness is a wave coming toward you rather than trying to, you just, you let it, okay, it'll be okay, right? You, you, you feel it, you name it to other people and to God, you let it wash over you, and on the other side is, is joy. We looked at this during Advent, the kind of joy that can only happen when you're faced with the pain of what's going on in here or the pain of, of the world, and it pushes you into deeper communion with God, where the deepest joy is found. And so now you have sadness and joy growing together in the same soil, and God's bringing you to a place where only joy will remain. And you begin to have foretaste of that now, so it leads to joy. And then distance from God leads to intimacy. Because when you can name to God that you don't want to worship him, delight in him, you don't feel him, now we're getting somewhere. Because intimacy always requires honesty. And if you're just always pretending that that distance isn't there, it's hard for God to work with that because God can only, he only works with the real you. And so when you go to, you just name it, God, I don't, I don't believe you're good. I don't trust you. I don't, I don't know that I really love you now because this is the, the assurance that you have through Jesus, right? Because Jesus was treated as unlovable, Right, by God and by other people when he went to the cross from you so that you, you can bring these things to God and you are not just lovable but, but loved. And he loves to move toward you and meet you in that moment. Right, that, that's the assurance we have in the gospel. And so I, I encourage you guys as we head into this week and these next few months, uh, on the one hand, okay, let's remember that maturity doesn't happen through just new insight. This is something we believe in the West especially, right? Just, I learned something new and now I'm more mature. You don't see that anywhere in the Bible, okay? Knowledge is important. That is a key step, but we, we only mature when we begin to do embodied practices with that knowledge to create space for God to transform us through the Holy Spirit, 
And on the other hand, right, so I encourage you to, to begin to practice in some way, but also there is, there is so much space for you to be who you are before God. Okay, depending on where you're at, what season you're in, and so let God meet you in the season you're in with grace. It might just be starting with three hours this weekend, right, if, if not a day, and we'll keep uh, doing this as a community. Let's pray.